Welcome to the Dad Report, a podcast for dads, by dads, about dad stuff. Join us as we sit down and have meaningful conversations with friends, family, and coworkers. We will talk about life, family, and so much more while working towards a goal of creating a healthy idea of what it means to be a dad. Episode. I don't know why I always say tonight when you guys listening out there are listening at all times of day. Chad, how are you feeling? Justin, hey, it is good to be back. Good to see your face. Thanks. You look like you're so it far away. I actually got a haircut. I don't know if you can see this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very, very short. We just got the thumbs up from our guest. <laughs> Which I'll introduce. I'll introduce him in a in a little bit here. Uh, real quick, Chad, did you have any dad reports from this week? No, but uh, we talked, and I believe you have one. So I was gonna, I, I was gonna I do, give you I the spotlight. A, yeah, I do have a brief dad report for this week. We uh, we all three of us went to church for the first time as a family. We finally trusted the church nursery with our ten month old, and it was we never got called back. So. Uh, it was a success, as as one could say. They did have to wake her up from a nap when we went to pick her up after service, and she was not as thrilled about that. But that's my dad report. We uh, we did it. Fantastic. So are you are you feeling good about it now? Are you gonna go back again, or I I think we're planning on going back this Sunday. What we're thinking about doing is instead of going to the second service, which interferes with her nap time, is we think we'll go to the first service and just face the consequences of waking her up early. So, well, that's great. It's about time they got you back in church, Justin. Yeah, I needed. I'm, I'm full slidden into apostasy. <laughs> um, but if you're a listener out there and you have a dad report and you're like, "Hey, I want to, I want a topic brought up on the show or mentioned," please make sure that you send that to us via Instagram, Facebook. If you're not in the Discord community, get into the Discord community because right now it's being overrun by teenagers and we need some adults in there helping straighten some of that stuff out. I've got them their own thread, but come on, y'all. We do have, Chad, you had a friend join the Discord, so he's in there now. Yes, uh, of, shout out. previous guests. Shout out to Hank. Yep. That's right. This is a Hank's test to see there. if Hank is still listening. <laughs> <laughs> he's an active listener. And then uh, Sam, who I was on episode two, he's also in there. So, again, this is a great. Our goal with that Discord is just to create a community and a space for um, listeners of the show to connect and to grow and to deep dive into topics we might not get to go deep enough into here uh, in each episode. Also, one last plug, the GoFundMe is still running. It's still open. Uh, please, if you if you have the ability to give to the Stidhams after they lost their daughter, um, with she had trisomy 13, and unfortunately they weren't able to come to full term with that. So that GoFundMe is to help with any and all medical expenses. I talked to their family a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago, and I know some of the bills are starting to come in. At the end of March, I'm kind of shutting down that, that link per se and uh, letting them start using that money, and it, it all goes straight to them. None of that kicks back here to the show. We are completely nonprofit, literally zero profit. So, <laughs> with that, true story. <laughs> true, true. Um, with that, 
I would like to welcome, once again, not a dad. I keep doing this, keep bringing not dad uh, friends on the show. But as I've said since episode one, just because you're not a dad doesn't mean you weren't, you know, you don't have a dad or know a dad or a friend of a dad. So in this case, he is a friend of a dad because he's my friend and now Chad's friend. And he is a son. Uh, He's a good friend. He'll hold you accountable. He'll shoot you straight. Might even punch you in the face if you ask him to. Please welcome Daniel Aristazabal to the show. Yo. Did I get the last name right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. You actually got it pretty close. And, Ah! you know, at my age, dude, I got a lot of friends who are dads now. That's fair. I didn't want to say how old you were. I didn't think it was appropriate. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, at this age, man, you just start to hear everything crack. I mean, you're probably going to hear things crack on the microphone, so they're going <laughs> to guess. I just want them to know. 30s, it's that knee that you never 60. got fixed. Yeah, it's still busted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every uh, every age, your your body just one-ups the previous version of you. So I, I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, I'm 25. Oh, I'm 30. It hurt when I woke up. Here comes 40. <laughs> You know, yeah, it hurts I'm when you like, sit down. It was knee pain in the twenties. Now it's back pain, and sometimes my face. So. <laughs> oh man! Well, yeah. Daniel, welcome to the Dad Report. I'm excited to have you here. How's your day been? How are things going right now? Uh, today was pretty good. Uh, hectic, you know, just kind of moving back and forth. Uh, you know, I still coach, so a lot of movement with that a lot of kids wanting what, to start what sport do you started. coach i coach soccer okay okay cool yeah cool yes. yeah that's fun stuff soccer yeah yeah start I get a lot of a uh, lot of different kids and starting to realize you know i kind of want to you know avoid my kids as a teenager but you know when they get to their teen years but i know i'm going to have to kind of stick around and stuff but <laughs> yeah I'm like, wow, some of the problems these kids deal with, man. It's yeah. intense. Yeah. yeah, it's intense. Now, Daniel, you are an educator, yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Still am. What, what do you teach? Uh, world history to ESOL students, meaning those that don't speak English, okay. uh, gifted students, and some special ed. That is a tough grouping right there. Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a wide range there for sure. Wow. Yeah, yeah, you get to see the whole spectrum. I don't envy yeah. your lesson plans whatsoever. <laughs> oh, there's like 16 of them a day. It's, I'm sure. It's crazy. Yeah. Between between the ESOL and the special needs alone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And sometimes I forget to switch back to English after the ESOL class. <laughs> that poor gifted class walks in. Oh, yeah. it's senior it's senior Daniel today. <laughs> yeah. Do they call you Mr. A or do you call, let them call you Daniel? What do you, what do you go by in the classroom? They usually call me Coach A. Coach um, A, okay. Yeah, a lot of the kids, they know me as the coach that doesn't teach like a coach, if that makes any sense. I.e. You know, not lazy teaching and you actually know the content. Exactly. I like to climb up on chairs, yell a little bit. All right, Robin songs. Williams. Yeah. yeah. Robin Williams, nah, man, nah, not dead. Po- dead Poet Society. Yeah, no, yeah, it's not exactly my favorite method of teaching. You know, going in that approach, I prefer more like Ron Clark. If you've ever heard of him, the name Te- sounds familiar. Yeah, National Teacher of the Year. Matthew Perry made a movie about him once. Hmm. Pretty cool, dude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. All right. So, world history. 
teaching all kinds of students. All right, so Daniel, let's jump. Before we get back on the education track, I have to ask. Uh, we always do a softball question. I think every guest gets this question. Man, what's your favorite food? My favorite food right yes. now? Right steak. Now. Oh, steak. can't argue with that one. Yeah. I'm rolling deep in the money then. Oh, uh, dude, I'll I tell you though. Wait, what it, favorite cut? What's your favorite cut of steak? It's between ribeye. Okay. I like ribeye. Okay. And I like New York strip. Okay. Those are good choices. Yeah. Yeah. Don't cut like, off the fat. Leave it in there because uh -huh. I'm doing keto. So that's what we're rolling with. So, so Justin, if I could just share a quick tidbit. We, uh, we took, I don't know, a month or two ago, we took uh, the boys to Outback, right? Hadn't been to Outback in quite a while. And Jude got his first filet. Oh, gosh. He's like, no, I don't Ooh. want steak. I'm like, look, this is not the steak you're used to, right? This is not London broil, right? This is not... Yeah, it's not sirloin. Yeah, it's not and chipotle. He, he got this thing, and he took one bite, and his eyes lit up, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, Lord, we have created it's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, no. We're we are a steak family now. Good and stuff. Carnivores. <laughs> mm, love it. Steak's so good. How do you eat your steak, Daniel? Medium rare. Good Very man. Good, good yep. man. We can remain friends as if there was a doubt. That's hilarious. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Keto diet. Talk to us about that. What's going on with keto? Mostly. Uh, and this, I mean, uh, this kind of goes into what my parents have kind of dealt with for a long time. My family has dealt with for a long time. Um, but it's weight. Like when you met me, Justin, I was a little thinner than I was like six months ago because I've just recently lost 30 pounds on keto. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but before that, I was very active, um, did a lot of work in the gym, running, loved it, did marathons, did all I could. Um, and I was always trying to run away from the genetic factor, I guess you could call it, of my parents' disposition to eat sweets. Mm. And so recently my mom, she's been going through some health issues. She's yeah. currently bedridden. Oh no. Um, so it's one of those things where I'm like, I, I want to grow to a point where when I'm older, I may be hurting, but I want to still be moving. Yeah. And I want to still be able to like play with my kids, be there for them and just stay healthy. So my kids can see me till, I don't know, at least the second generation after me. So I guess the motivation there is just I, I want to lose the weight and keep it off. So I stay here for as long as the Lord lets me. Yeah. 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 Do you think you'll ever come off a of keto or is that like a permanent? You know, it's strange because uh, recently uh, I ate a lot of bread after uh -oh. like a month and a half on keto. And I tell you, it is it was the worst experience I've ever had in a very long time. Like my, my body was just shocked. Wow. So I'm probably going to stay on it. Yeah. Or at yeah. least wean. I think there's, I think they tell you to wean off of keto and slowly yeah. reintroduce those other food groups as it were. But keto, mm -hmm. keto is also, it's a, uh, it can be a wide range of things. For example, I did keto Shauna will have to keep me honest here. I think we did keto for about a month. And I will tell you, 
I had more bacon than the law allows, and uh, my my cholesterol went through the roof. And uh, new covenant, brother, new covenant, <laughs> new eat covenant. that bacon. So what's your so, so what's uh what kind of are you just like meat all day or like what what what's your what's like a dip? So I did do so I think it was Doctor Sean Baker, I believe he talks about the carnivore diet. For me, uh, my wallet is not deep enough for the carnivore diet. Oh, I, uh, I tried it. <laughs> I tried it for three weeks, but I am a teacher and yeah, the money goes just quick. To, I was like, you know, Hey, uh, boss, I need more money. They said no. So I st- stuck with keto. Um, but with keto, I'm going for what's called essentially the, what's it called? 60, 20, 20. So essentially 20 grams of carbs, 20 grams of well, 20% protein, 60% fat. And it's just like, Okay. It's it's going well. It's going well. Um, I mean, I see the pounds kind of shedding off and lost three pant sizes. So I'm like, Dang. okay, it's working. Yeah. 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 Something's yeah. happening for sure. Something's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of prayer. That's what it, you're just praying at. No, yeah. Kidding. Just a lot of prayr, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, evoking the spirit of Daniel, according to the Pentecostals, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm not going into the Daniel fast hey, thing, okay? I got my no. reservations. Yeah. So let's then jump back into – you were mentioning teacher salary and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So you and I actually came out of the same college or overlapped at the same college for a good while. Yeah. And it's right after that you got you got into teaching. You're teaching high school, right? Mm-hmm. Did I mistake that? Yes. Okay. Teaching history at high school. So you've been teaching now for six years? Five. Five. Okay, I, mean, I was close. Yes. Um, and I know it wasn't always originally like a long-term plan, though it sounds like it's starting to stick. Talk mm-hmm. to us about your teaching journey. How has teaching... I do have some teachers who listen, who have been on the show. I was a teacher for a br- very brief stint, and may at some time return to the educational field. I don't know yet. Um, but talk to us about that. I think one of the things I learned, especially in these last two years since COVID... Because COVID rocked everyone's world. And I, I think it's something that every teacher talks about now. Mm. Um, we are dealing with a situation in education. Wow, I, I rhymed a little bit there. Could probably <laughs> join a rap group. I'm going to tweet but, that out later. Situation in education. <laughs> yeah, there's a situation in education where we just are dealing with kids who think they're adults before mm. they actually are. And I think a lot of it has to do with a lack of parenting because I've noticed a difference in the students that are parented. Like I contact, I email, I do all of that. The parents who go off and say, I'm going to ground my kid or yeah, I'll take away his phone. I'll do something. Those kids do well in my class. It's the kids whose parents don't respond. The kids whose parents don't say a word that really don't do anything. And I've realized it's not really the kid's fault. Uh, And what I mean by that is a lot of it happens to be that I've noticed a lot of parents just stopped caring. I don't know whether it's the pressure of what's been going on in their lives with everything that's happened in the last two years, Mm -hmm. or if that's just always been a thing and we just are now noticing it. But I think a lot of educators will actually, uh, you know, confess and, uh, you know, support this statement in that there are a lot of parents who just 
aren't doing enough to get their kids to understand the importance of education. Yeah. Yeah, I would say from the the brief time I spent in education, I would agree with with most of that, if not all of that, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, where the, it definitely comes down to a to a parent's involvement. It seems to be like a lot of teachers we would talk about parent involvement and it, it does show it can show sometimes there is just student lack of participation 100 they don't give a rip about anyone but themselves and that's what bites them but i would say parent involvement definitely plays at least 75 percent of uh how a student performs in the classroom or even just behaves in the classroom yeah so justin so. you're uh the um the the principal at the school you're at uh jerry he we worked together and uh, i think i may have mentioned this to you before but we were we were kind of sweating what to do with with pierce um in terms of his school he was you know he had done public school he had done kind of private school like as a you know like 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 preschool age uh and by the time he got uh at this point it was you know second or third grade and he was at a charter school and uh there was like some bullying and stuff that was going on and so we were trying to figure out kind of what to do and i was talking to jerry because i know he had a background in the school system and and he says he said chad to be honest just the fact that you are engaged in asking these questions tells me your kid's going to be just fine and uh and i kind of had the deer in the headlights look like really and he's like really like there's um you know I remember I remember growing up, right? I'm towards the I'm towards the end of uh of Gen X and I remember growing up, right? A lot of latchkey kids and stuff and some of those it was single parent just making it work. Some of those were parents that just legit did not care. Um so it, you know, it goes back, but I think I think there is um there is some more to that and so I really took that to heart and just realized that hey, you know, I need to be the number one advocate for these kids or, you know, who else is going to do the job, right? I mean, there's no, there's, there's no other, other parents out there for my kid, right? It's, it's, it's up to us. And so I really took that to heart. And I always, I always tell people like, you know, just be, be engaged, be involved. Don't worry about it too much, but just be, be in the game. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think a kid's greatest coach is their parents. Um, besides Christ, I mean, Christ has to be the coach of the parents. I would think of it like, you know, Christ is your head coach and your DC and your OC, that's your parents. And if they're just not in the game, they're not paying attention. Nothing's going to be done. Um, it's just not going to be done well. And I think the Lord uses parents as a tool to help their kids through these situations. If they're not present, it's not going to happen. But, uh, on the other hand, I mean, if I could give some advice to teachers is stop trying to be their parent. Okay. I think a lot of teachers, and I've seen a lot of my coworkers fall to this, even myself, is that we often try to be the parent for that kid and try to change their life, not realizing that's not our job Yeah. Um, or our calling. Our calling is to teach that kid, yes, the subject to also teach them about responsibility in the professional world. Their parents reinforce that. 
but right. we're trying to do both sides. So we can't do that. So can we can we talk about the opposite side of that too? And, and what I mean by that mm-hmm. is, so we've had we've had a few teachers on, and we've had a little bit of conversation about you know how uh, you know parents <laughs> going the opposite way can get a little bit overzealous for their kids. And I'm curious, I'm curious what you might say like to to parents that you know want to be involved. Maybe, you know, I don't know what the scenario would be, but they want to be, they want to be involved. They don't want, you know, they don't want to go, they don't want to go too hard, but they, they really want to partner up with the teachers. Like, what would you, what would you say to to that? Cause I gotta be honest, like if it wasn't for my wife, like that's me, it's like, Hey, I'm here. I don't know what to do, but I really want to make sure my kid (laughs) succeeds. You know, I I think a, a gracious attitude is always the best thing to come forward to any serious situation. Um, Jocko Willink very awesome podcast by the way um to listen to if you guys want to like get information or even just advice as to how like to really just go about discipline yeah he talks about how there's this level of extreme ownership you have to have meaning you take ownership to everything that is present in whatever is the situation so for example you make a mistake you own up to it you own up to all those things. You come up to whoever you're leading and say, hey, man, this is what's happened. Yeah. And I think a lot of parents come with that bravado that they know what they're talking about and they know more than us. Those are the parents that I would say, hey, practice some grace. Step, Take a step back. Work with the teachers. Don't command the teachers. Now, for parents who just really want to get involved and they don't know how, your first step to getting involved, it may take a couple of emails, but talk to the teachers. And if that doesn't work, immediately to a counselor. Counselors are paid to care, but they actually care because the way that they get paid, they have to care about the kids because you don't do that job unless you really, really actually have a heart for them. Yeah. But your counselors will help you get in contact with the proper people that you need to talk to. And they'll know who's going to work for you and who's not. That's good stuff. I like how you said, yeah, I like how you said work with uh, the teachers versus, because I think that's one thing that definitely can be frustrating as a teacher, as someone who's in the classroom, went through, you know, for me, it's just going, I just went through, like, my bachelor's is in history, which means I at least have a depth of knowledge about the field. I mean, I have all the education classes and that part, you know, feel free to berate me there, but I do at least know to an extent what I'm talking about or know how to find out information what I'm talking about without it being Wikipedia. Um, and so that's always, like, like, trust me. Like, I had a lady one time why are we learning about, uh, we're going through India, why are we learning about Buddhism and Jainism and, you know, these, these ancient Indian religions? And so I gave her, and she asked for all, you know, all this information. I gave her all the standards that were attached to it. And then at the end, that history major kicked in, and I was like, also, a lot of how we learn about ancient cultures is through their religions, because that's how a lot of information was recorded and kept and actually written down, if it was written down, or at least an oral history. Um, doesn't mean it's always accurate, but that's how we get some of that. We can piece things together for that bigger puzzle. So, uh, but yeah, I like that work, work with, for the parents out there who might be a little, a little overzealous. Cause we do have those parents, right. Who are, they know everything though. If you make them your friends, sometimes they also will provide, like there's one teacher that 
uh, or one parent rather at my old school where if you could get on her good side and early, anything you asked for, anything at all, paper, pencils, uh, you know, uh, wipes for the classroom. I'm sure I could probably, I could probably ask her. One, one teacher asked her or mentioned, not even ask her, he mentioned in passing about his laptop or a, a dot cam or something was, cr- was cruddy. And next day she rolls up and has this brand new equipment. Like, like parents, for, for teachers out there, parents can be a great resource. And then for parents out there, like invest in your teachers. They do get paid really cheap salaries. Please work with them. Um, and I, I do like what you said about for those who want to get involved and don't know how, I totally agree 100%. Send several emails, then yeah, get with the school counselor, get with the admin. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, and something I've noticed, uh, Chad, you mentioned something about latchkey kids earlier. Um, I was one of those, you know, open the door, walk <laughs> in, bake some chicken nuggets in the microwave. Oh, there it is. That's my dinner. Um, my parents had to work two jobs to really keep us afloat uh, for a while. So, I mean, I wouldn't see my parents sometimes till six, seven o'clock, maybe sometimes even nine. So I've noticed that the parents that are my generation or your generation that were latchkey kids are a little bit more involved. Um, they tend to want to be more a part of their kid's life. And it's really encouraging because as, as like a wannabe future parent, a wannabe dad, um, I, I want to do that for my kid. I want to be present. I mean, I saw my, like, even with work, my dad would take off to go see my games. And that meant the world to me. And for some of these kids, they may not be athletic. So their parents being involved in school shows them, man, my parents actually care about what I do. And that matters. So they stop performing for themselves. They start performing for their parents with the understanding that there is always going to be progress and succeed. Uh, they are always going to succeed. Yeah. yeah well. So I want to flip, I want to flip the script a touch here. So what about the students in your classroom who don't have a parent at home or parents? Obviously they've got some kind of legal guardian, which it might even just be, and I don't know how common this is nowadays. I guess probably more common than it's talked about. It could even be that they go back to the um, like adoption center or, or those, you know, a school for the or a home for the homeless. Um, not homeless, but what, what's the proper term here, guys? You're, help me out. Um, Sheltered and endangered. I guess whatever the modern, yeah, yeah modern yeah. terminology. But yeah, so kids in the classroom who like, because it's one thing to be like, oh, if their parents were involved, they do so well. And then they tell you that I live with my aunt and she's working three jobs to even get, you know, me through school and her kids. Or I live with, you know, this guardian, you know, it's my godfather. So he's not even family. Um, and there's obviously some emotional trauma that, that can be unpacked there. But let's just, the kids, because I, I I want to make sure that we hit all angles if we're going to talk about this and not exclude listeners who are like, well, I don't have any, you know, I'm the guardian of said child and they don't want to talk to me. They don't want to work with me. You know, I think the best way I could put it is that every kid and not to be cliche or anything like that, but every kid's like a gemstone. Um, You could have an emerald sitting next to an emerald and they're both going to be unique in their own way. Uh, regardless of how they're cut. So every kid you're supposed to approach as something brand new. 
um, someone who is completely unique and you have no idea what they're going to do, who they are and what they're going to be. So as a teacher, I see a lot of my coworkers, for example, fall to this whole thing of, well, all the kids are this. They're just lazy. They're just that. And we mm. just generalize everyone. Here's where you have to be careful. Um, because if you have a kid who doesn't have parents at home, that's where you fall into the danger of becoming the parent. And that can be dangerous. That can be fruitful sometimes. That can be sometimes just very work heavy. Um, I specifically have helped several kids at the school with just situations at home. Um, but given my ability to help them, I, I can't help them more. But say, for example, we have a coach. I'll, I'll redact names just for their sake. But we have a coach at the school, amazing guy, super friendly, and has like at least four or five kids that he somewhat personally adopted. Like he's not legally a, their adoptive father, but because these kids have broken homes, he's around. Yeah. He's there for them, drives them to their wrestling matches, drives them to their lacrosse matches, is there as their dad because he knows no one's in their life to really be there for them. Uh, I had one of those students in particular. Uh, I had him in ninth grade and 10th grade. That kid was sleepy, would not do anything. This coach jumped into this kid's life. And in a matter of a year, that kid rocked it. 11th grade, just rocked it. 12th grade, rocked it. Now he's Georgia State wrestling champ. Nice. I know. I mean, the kid is just a, a, a complete different turnaround, 180. So it's understanding the effect that you have on a kid as a teacher is very important. But never discount the kid until you know what's going on. And even then, find a, if, you, if you have that in your heart that you want to discount them and say, nah, I'm, I'm not going to bother, fight that because that's already evil thoughts regardless um i guess here i could tie it to this is christ and the rich young ruler the rich young ruler comes up and if you read the language it's it's somewhat pompous it's very um like i said earlier just a bravado like i have this down i know what i'm doing how does jesus react to him with grace he gives him a very hard and difficult thing to, to, to kind of conquer. And he couldn't do it. Walks away sad. When, when Jesus turns around and tells the rest of his disciples why it's difficult, he's still very gracious in his words about the, about the guy. Because there was somewhat of a desire there. There was something there. And I think that's how we have to approach every teaching situation is how can – I shine the light of Christ on this kid's life. How can I help him today? That simple. We'll start migrating out of the education talk, but I hear a lot of that shining light of Christ. Jesus is the head coach. A lot of that, um, I almost said verbo verbology. That's not a word. Uh, <laughs> we can make it a word. <laughs> ter termin terminology. There you go. There's a Terminology. Word 
Um, now I've got quotes from movies running around in my head. Um, but uh, talk to us about that. Talk to us about your faith. Obviously, it's playing a role on you in the classroom, the way you're viewing these kids. Um, I know you and I have a little bit of a background together in our faith journey. So go ahead and, sh- and share, us, share with us uh, about your faith. Uh, I would say in the beginning it was very rocky. Even when I knew you, I had a lot of different sins that I was still going through. And that, that's the main point. Uh, I was. Uh, when I surrendered that to Christ, that's when things started kind of changing. Uh, and I mean kind of because it was still difficult. Uh, the best way I could put it is when you jump hurdles, you have to know how to time your steps. And you have to have a coach there that can tell you what mistakes you're making and your rhythm and technique in order to correct your steps. For myself, I was I was in Christ's classroom, but I was sitting in the back row playing on my phone. Mm. And I wasn't really paying attention. Um, I knew this stuff. I was that smart kid that could just pull out a, you know, got a test, boom, get a B. But I had the potential to get an A. Um when Christ would ask me to step forward on this, I'd only take maybe an inch when he'd ask me to take a mile. So it was often an, an unwillingness to jump into the next venue because I was just kind of hesitant. Um, a lot of that was because I loved my sin. I loved what I did and I enjoyed it. And then when I realized that Christ was much greater than my sin and much more of a joy, surrendered it and then here I am. Um, it's led to more fruitful relationships and it's also led to me having more grace in the classroom because I I wasn't as graceful. I was very harsh. I mean, you could, yeah, I know. I don't know if you guys have ever watched Matilda, you know, the, the principal lady, the big lady. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I didn't exactly beat kids, but I kind of had that fear and intimidation factor, but I started softening up and I guess you can kind of, think of me now as the like the chubby happy teacher sitting in corner <laughs> well how much that's of that it. was also you going from year one teacher to year five because i mean that's oh, i've talked to other teachers about that and i know that like a lot of teachers that year one year one you're drowning year two you've you've found air but you still don't quite have it and it's about year three or four where you kind of find your mojo so i know for me like i probably would have described myself the same way this past year as a first year teacher where it's like in certain classrooms, it felt like if if I could beat you with a stick, I probably like don't put me in a Catholic yeah. school, right? Like I'd wrap your knuckles, because um, I just because I'm just like, why aren't you getting it? So anyway, sorry to interrupt. Oh no, you're fine, man. Um, I guess the way I put it is, I've seen first year teachers do this sometimes. They'll be the doormat to mm, every uh-huh. single one of their classes. They're afraid. Some, I mean, you see a teacher. In their first year, they look like a deer in the headlights. But here's the problem that after your third year, probably about fourth or fifth, you either turn into a bear trap or into a honey trap. Hmm. Well, honey trap's a bad way to put it, but just kind of a different kind of trap. You know, one of those little ones that closes the gate on the raccoon. It's got a little treat inside or whatever. Oh. Yeah, I guess. And a mouse trap? Uh, yeah, a mousetrap could work. And that's the problem is that 
you can't go that way. You got to realize you're not a trap. You're not someone to be run over and you're not someone to just go in and tr like entrap the kids. Um, I guess a lot of teachers just either they take this different approach to discipline where it's like everything has to be harsh. My way or the highway. It's like, dude, these these kids, you don't know them well enough to make these kinds of decisions. Ease off get to know your class. I guess the best way that I could put it is a good coach doesn't know the game. He knows the players. If you know your players, you're going to be a good coach. As a leader, if you know your people, you're going to be a good leader. As a teacher, if you know your students, you're going to be a great teacher. That's what's that's what steps you up to the next level. So yeah, a lot of that has to do with first year woes and grinds and everything. But the one piece of advice I'd give to any teacher is get to know your kids. Uh, I mean, that even works with the whole dad thing, man. I mean, you got to get to know your kids. Yeah. Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could talk to yours right now, but probably won't respond much. Um, You'd be surprised yeah. at how much she'll make some kind of noise in response. I don't know what she's yeah. saying, but yeah. no. But you're right. You're right with that analogy to parenting because it's like uh, so. We we talked a little bit about that about how so um, Pierce, my 16 year old, um, I can say, you will do this, you will not do that, right? That 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 line of conversation, but really my role now is to be a coach in his life to lead him down the path of him making the decisions of him making, you know, hopefully the, you know, the, the good decisions, the right decisions, but really allowing him to have a like a, like a safe place where he can, he can screw up. He can, you know, experiment. He can try some things and, and realize that, that he's got, you know, he, he's got us when he, you know, when he falls down, we'll be there to pick him up. But if the coach, you know, if me wanting to be kind of a, a coach in his life, if I don't know him, it's not going to be very effective at all. And um, and the, the way you can do that is because they begin getting responsibility. They start stepping out, but no one knows him better than me and his mom. And we're we're able to know kind of when he's floundering, right? When he needs, when he needs a hand, um, when he needs maybe some advice, Hey, maybe you didn't see this. Hey, maybe try this. Um, but if we just, if we just jump in and just try to force his hand all the time, when he gets out on his own, he's going to drown. He's going to straight up drown. But yeah, knowing, and I, I feel like, I feel like every now and then, you know, I wake up, I see him and I'm like, wow, there are some different things to this kid. But just being able to recognize that and know kind of what you know and maybe know where you don't know, but you want to you wanna engage a little more, you want to get to know them more. And so on the parenting side, I, I, to I, think that, I think that totally makes sense. And when I think back to the male teachers in my life who were doing that, me not realizing at the time, but... I still have memories of, of those. We shared, shared one, uh, was it 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah Just recently, not... Justin, about about yep. my fourth grade teacher, and uh, yep. And so, so yeah, and, and not even realizing at the time, right, that, that that's what they're doing, but that was what they were doing, and it it makes an impact. Yeah, for myself, I, I still remember my teachers, Mr. Chili, Mr. Reisman, Coach Aldrich, Coach Wellborn, Coach wow. Leach. It was like, for myself, I always had a conflictive relationship with my dad. Mm. Um, we're both the exact same person. It's mm. it's wild. Um, <laughs> there's this U2 uh, song you know good old bono uh <laughs> sometimes you can't make it on your own that's literally the title of the song beautiful song that makes me tear up man tears man tears man tears beautiful man tears all the time but uh the song really goes that man like he's singing his song to his dad who he wished he knew better hmm. who's passed away and he no longer has the opportunity to and for myself, I was always trying to look for a dad in other men because I wanted a dad that would agree with me and that would stop telling me everything I was doing wrong and tell me everything that I was doing right. What I didn't realize is that the best dad I had was at home because he was trying to coach me up for what was coming next. Um, and I think a lot of it came to he had fears that I would make the same mistakes as him. Um, and I did make some of the same mistakes, but thanks to his guidance, I, I learned how to get past those mistakes and how to grow out of them. Yeah. So keep, keep talking about that relationship then with your dad. Let's go, let's go there next. What are some of the takeaways from, from your relationship with your dad? You know, feel free to share what you can that's comfortable for you. Yeah. You know, we don't want to be uncomfortable, but. Um, that's kind of the goal of this of this show is for dads listening to, to to learn from the experiences of others, whether it's other dads on the show or it's it's the sons and the daughters who come up and they've they've everybody's got a perspective and everybody's perspective is different. Everybody's story is a little bit different. So, from your story, you know, what are some of the I guess the high points and healthy things you watched your dad do that could encourage other dads out there? I guess the best way I could put it, and here's a funny story. I tried to run away once. Um, I was like eight or nine years old, and I was arguing with my dad over something real stupid. I don't even know what it was. And after the big, long argument, I was like, I'm running away. You know, my Spanish little self just yelling in Spanish <laughs> the best I could. And uh, I packed my rollerblades and two granola bars. And I thought I could survive on that out in the wilderness. Nice. All right, Bear Grylls. So I, <laughs> so I went out, we were living in this apartment and I, was, I went out into the woods. I kid you not. I got scared of the dark. <laughs> I came back and I sat outside the door. The second I came in, my dad just calm, collected, came into my room, spanked me like three or four times, walked back out. And I knew I knew exactly what I had done wrong. He didn't even have to tell me. And I was nine something years old. Even till this day, there are days where I, I come home and I'm like, man, I made a big mistake today. And I almost feel like I can't tell my dad sometimes because 
it's hard for me to hear his advice. That's my mistake, though. Um, I don't think that was him. My relationship with my dad has always been tense because we've always disagreed. He, If he's Democrat, I'm a Republican. Sometimes we flip. <laughs> um now i'm i'm christian so it's like i gotta be a republican i guess <laughs> um mm. i know right but i'll hail the dawn huh yeah oh don't tell anyone oh well we're gonna go ahead and say it on the podcast i did vote for a democrat once <laughs> but as a christian i still believe in the lord but uh the lord is sovereign over all of that thank you thank you uh, I, I needed that i needed that but my dad and I always disagreed. And now our biggest disagreement is God. Mm. Um, I pray for the day that me and my dad agree on that point. And I pray that it doesn't flip and I become an atheist and he becomes a Christian. But I doubt that's going to happen because, you know, reformed here, once saved, always saved. Um, but my dad and I, the conflict comes a lot because I think it's just we're two rams butting heads with each other because we're one in the same crazy crazy how that happens mm -hmm. yeah to realize that was hard because mm. i was like man i can't be like my dad can't and yet here, here's here's the the irony of it i think i have fought so hard not to be like my dad that it ended up making me like my dad yep my mom told and then me that, that one time. Yeah. And then I realized my dad had the same issue with his dad. He was the same exact way. And my grandpa and myself were the same. So just as I said earlier, when my dad's like the opposite, my grandpa was a Christian. Stern hmm. conservative. Believed in certain things. And here's my dad, the opposite. And... um. It's crazy how things flip like that. I guess the advice I would give, especially if a rebellious son like I was, unfortunately, sometimes, and I've seen this works, and my dad's told me this, fortunately, sometimes you just got to let the person make the mistake. Sometimes you just got to let your kid make the mistake and let the world teach them. I think that's one of the best things my dad has done for me is be hands off. When he butts heads with me, it makes me do even worse. But when he let me just kind of fall, I realized how right he was. Hmm. One of the hardest things for a parent is that, but it is so valuable. Um, one thing, uh, one thing you were mentioning that I wanted to come back to is, is the whole dynamic of um, I'm acting this way because I saw my dad acting this other way and I'm just, I'm not going to do that. And Justin, and I mentioned, uh, Justin and I talked about this, um, once or a couple times. And yeah, I heard it comes a, up every now and then I heard a Tim Keller sermon. I really need to find it because it's, it's amazing. It's but I heard second a second or third time. Now you've mentioned yeah. it. So you, you do need to find, that. I heard a Tim Keller sermon where he was talking about, um, the whole concept of leave and cleave, right? Going back to, going back to Genesis and um, saying, hey, if you, if you say, I am going to parent my kids this way because my parents did it this other way and they were wrong and they were awful, that 
when you say that or you even act in that way, you have not left. <laughs> yeah. Like you're still there. Uh, you are still allowing those people to to influence you, and not to say that you know we just do what our parents did, but we kind of make the decision that hey, this was my experience. You know, some of it was good, some of it was not so good. I'm making the decision to to do what I think is best, but to 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 say that, and we've all done it, right? I'm not pointing fingers here. We've all done it where we say my dad or my mom or my coach or my teacher said this and they were wrong and I'm going to show them, right? That just, that doesn't end well. It doesn't end well for us. And so I just, I don't know. I, uh, I thought since Justin said you were reformed, I brought up Tim Keller, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that, but that's, that's one of the few that he, uh, of, of his teachings that just really, really has stuck. And it's because I did it. I did that thing, and I'm like, oh, wow, I totally did not realize at the time what I was doing. Um, and since I mm-hmm. have tried to reform that a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it's uh, just, you know, as I'm, as I'm talking to a, a fairly new dad and, uh, and, uh, and the hope to be a dad, uh, I, want, <laughs> I just kind of wanted to share that wisdom. And it's not my wisdom. I'm just, you know, I heard it. I'm passing it along. <laughs> But that was a that was a big that was a big learning point for me. It's a good a good lesson that I learned from just randomly just studying the word one day and asking myself because I've been prepping to be a father. Not because you know no no one's getting no one's coming on the way, but we're actually thinking of trying to adopt um, our first child or our second child. Yeah, so real quick, so Daniel, you are engaged, yes? Yes, yes. Okay, and then you're you're getting married pretty soon here, next, what, six months? June 18th. Three months, congrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, y'all are in the less than three month countdown. I know. Oh boy, howdy. Ooh. All right, so for those listening who are like, this crazy teacher guy is wanting to adopt children when he says we... <laughs> Everything's legit. They're getting married real soon, and kudos to you. All right, keep going. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that. I'm like, you're, hold on. You're hold good. On. You'll have that one person who's like, wait, he's <laughs> single. And wait, what? What's what kind going of podcast on? is this? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we've talked about adopting, um, and I've tried to prep myself as a father and try to look at those things. So how did I do that? Well, went to the word. Um, I was looking at the picture of Saul uh, and his son, Jonathan. Okay, so King you know, Saul, Old Testament, King for Saul, those out there who have not touched that dusty part of their Bible in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the most beautiful things about it was when Jonathan was in the field talking to David, and David was like, hey, let me know if your father's going to kill me. He goes and hides in the bushes. Tells David tells him how to tell him, hey, shoot an arrow over my head. That way I know. Jonathan does so. You know, Jonathan's main purpose as a Jewish male, as a Jewish son, was to serve his father to the utmost. And instead he forfeited possibly even his birthright by telling Jonathan, the arch nemesis of his father, run. You mean by telling David? Yeah, by telling David, sorry. By telling David run so here jonathan is essentially rebelling against his father 
but his father is also acting against the Lord. Hmm. And my wrestle has always been, when, when do I listen to my father who is an atheist? And when don't I? And I realized that when you are looking at scripture, you go according to scripture, yes. But there are moments where the conscience and this Holy Spirit needs to guide you in which direction you're supposed to go with, with certain decisions. Um, finances, for example, my dad's horrible at them. But I've taken it upon myself to enact a more righteous standing with money and try to be more uh, more of a great steward over it. Mm-hmm. But it's always troublesome when my dad says, oh, you need that? Go buy it on credit. See, I, I, I could listen to my dad and go ahead and do that. But I know who my father in heaven is also. I think that's where the wrestling happens is where a lot of kids, especially Christian kids, and I've heard this from some of the youth kids in my own church, like they'll come to me and they'll be like, is my dad right about this? And I'm like, hold on. Is your dad right about what? This thing? Okay. Have you done personal study with the Lord on it? Don't ask me to tell you to rebel against your father or to go against what he's asking you to do. Yeah, give me permission, right? Yeah, give me permission to go do this. All they're asking for, make you a scapegoat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. (laughs) But um, I just realized while reading that and remembering what those kids said, I was like that. It's like I was asking anyone, someone out there in the church to tell me, hey, tell me to go against my dad. Hmm. Um, so what did I learn through that? You've got to take every word that everyone says with a grain of salt, but also give it the weight of respect. So don't immediately discount someone because of their beliefs. So for instance, if a kid is sitting there, or if you as a father have had this issue with your own dad of you've always disagreed, you've always had problems, you've always, take a minute to sift your own heart and see if you're wrong about it. Because there have been times where my dad as an atheist has said things that are more biblical than what I have said. that are actually more in line And that's a scary thought that the Lord has used someone like that. Just as King Saul was used in Jonathan's life to push him to do what was right. My dad has been, has been used in my life multiple times to show me the right way and where the Lord wants me to go. Yeah. Mic drop. Oh, thank you. I've never had a mic drop. <laughs> and we're lying if we say we've never been there. Yeah, yeah. that too. That too. Mm, yeah. That's good. Cool stuff. Well, we'll start, we'll start wrapping this up. So as you, as you look towards family and marriage, man, what are your, what are your goals? What are you most excited about? Um, that's, it's, it's an exciting time you're in. It's also a stressful one. I know Chad and I both have been there, and it's, it's different for everybody, but there are some things that are, there's common, I would say, common emotions 
mm-hmm. maybe not common circumstances. But uh, yeah, man, how are you? As you are, you're gearing up for marriage and possibly adopting somewhat quickly after. I would say take some time for you and her. Leave and cleave, as Chad said. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't jump into the next adventure immediately. But uh, yeah, we're looking forward to. I guess for myself, I'm just looking forward to the fact that um, the Lord has called me to a great calling here, man. Like, if the Lord has called me to marriage, that is a great calling indeed. And if I'm going to father a home, I need to, you know, really start preparing. Uh, One thing I'm doing to prep myself is I bought the entire, like, New Testament journal bible series thing you know the, the, the little, ESB, little, little black book yeah the little yeah black i've gotten books. a few of those at youth retreats or youth yeah. pastor retreats yeah yeah my 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 thing is like okay I, I won't fill up the whole thing but i'm gonna read each one of these books in a cycle over and over again until i get married and just write down everything i learned from it in the mm. in those journals and i guess the 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 motivation through that is like when I walk into my household as the father, I need to be the more um, knowledgeable theologian in the household. Hmm. Because when the kids ask me the questions or my wife needs guidance or anything like that, I, I want to be equipped and I want to have that, that ability to go ahead and rear my children properly in the gospel and also guide and help and nurture my wife with the gospel. So what best, what better way to do it than to read Paul and, you know, hit Romans maybe one or three times, maybe <laughs> quadruple. Yeah. Old Romans. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I had a question and then I lost it when we got on to Romans. Well, I'll that's say okay. I'll throw you me. off. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's great. I remember, uh, and I, I did not get into this until after I was married, but I read um, I read uh, The Meaning of Marriage is the book. But, but whether, you, whether you read a book or you just look into Scripture to see what it says about marriage and um, you know, what your role is, it can be heavy. It can be yeah. really heavy because you realize, wait a minute, so this whole thing is set up. So that when people look at it, they're like, oh, that's that's the same relationship that Jesus has to the church. And uh, I got to tell you, there are days where I'm pretty sure that is not what somebody would see. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, be lying if you didn't. But yeah, you know, uh, uh, prepare. And I will uh, and I will say the. um I love the times when I get one-on-one with, with my wife, one-on-one with my kids, and we get to we get to talk about that stuff. I think what is probably as as much as I wish this was not the case, I think what is probably more impactful for them is when they see me live it out, and that is, that's yep. where the rubber hits the road. That's it, it's also more difficult. It's the uh, so yeah I'm a we're we're pulling for you. You are now a friend of the show i know you're justin's friend but you are a friend of the show we'll be praying for you we'll be pulling for you and man we would uh justin maybe we should have him back on after yeah i think we need to give him after the nuptials a month after the nuptials (laughs) and then see how honeymoon phase is going hey i'm a teacher i'm taking a long honeymoon 
That Hit me up you. around uh, Labor take, Day. Take a, take a week, man. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> after you. Labor, around Labor Day. Oh, wait, hold on. No, no, no. Not Labor Day. I got to build a fence around that time, apparently. She's got the honeydew list ready. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, the honeydew. <laughs> Are you guys moving right into a house then? Uh, yeah, we're moving into hers, which is wonderful because then we don't have to go and navigate this horrendous market. Yep. Welcome to my world. Yo, good yep. for you. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, we'll definitely. We'll definitely get you get you back on and see how that's going. I absolutely agree with Chad. Where you know, knowledge is great, knowledge put into practice, I would say, is even even more effective. So there it is. Yeah, excited for you, buddy. Um, and in fact, we'll thank you. you. We'll let you get back to all your prepping. You get sounds like you got some more Romans to read. I got um. some more Romans. <laughs> yeah, I'm on chapter nine today, actually. Oh so. boy. Oh yeah. Oh boy, you got through the. Yeah. What was it? Chapter seven is the Paul is woe is me. Who am I? Why am I sinful? And yeah, yeah. That whole, body yeah. of body of death, all that. Yeah, Paul's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, on that note, we're gonna wrap it up here at the Dead Report. Thanks again for being on, bud. We love you a ton, and we Thank can't you. wait to see you in the future. Can't wait to see you guys again. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. You can support us by sharing the show with your friends and family. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Want more The Dad Report? Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and even join the community over on Discord. Don't forget to send us your dad jokes for a chance to be featured on the show. Remember the words of Billy Graham about fatherhood. A good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. So if you are a dad, we're cheering you on. If you have a dad, be kind to him. And if you know a dad, tell him about our podcast.